Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday Night Live with Chris Hemsworth is over, but we're just getting started here on SNL Post Show Recap here on PostShowRecaps.com. And now here are the two guys who are not going to be doing a recap this season of Rubio and Cruz, Rob Cisternino and Rich Sackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am great. Great to be back. Christmas is in full swing. Yeah. Boom. Rich, three weeks in a row of SNL. We're in the middle. We're in that meat part of the sandwich right here. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, similar to probably last year when we had Martin Freeman host uh, midseason, you know, a couple of funny things overall, probably uh, I don't want to say a filler episode because that's not fair, but uh, not as strong as next week. And I imagine not nearly as strong as what next week is going to be, but still a couple of a couple of funny laughs uh, throughout the way. You think it was a look ahead week where most of the cast was like, oh, I got something really good. Let me save it for next week when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are on the show. Yeah, I think we're the, the heavy hitters come out next week. And uh, and I think maybe to a fault. I think uh, they may be pulled too many punches uh, on this show, uh, which we will talk about as we go. But, uh, you know, still some funny there. But I got to say, uh, overall, just to sort of set the table, as uh, someone said on uh, on Twitter, I can't remember which. Which of our which of our family said it probably going to be a, a much higher percentage of boys tonight. I thought overall this week, I thought they got out of the gate really hot. And I thought this was a really fun start to the episode. And then I felt like about midway through, they really fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. OK, so let's get into this. Of course, uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, was the host Chance the Rapper musical guest. Yes. And by the way, thank God his name isn't Chance, because I would have no idea what he was doing if it wasn't clearly defined that he was rapping. Yes. So thank you, sir. Yes. I wasn't sure that's what that was. I may start going by Rob the Podcaster uh, from here on <laughs> from here on out, just to make things that have less confusion. I think that's a good way to go. It would help me out because I'm never quite sure who you are and what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and let's start with our cold open. And how about this? We did not see this coming. Here's Will Ferrell doing uh, George W. Bush, a special address. And, and when I first saw the presidential seal come up, I said, OK, wow. And Obama called open for the first time in God knows how long. And then, nope, not Obama. We're going to see George W. Bush. Yeah, I mean, obviously a huge surprise. We talked last week about how many cameos we expect to see in next week's sort of alumni homecoming show. Uh, so a real shock to see uh, Will Ferrell here. Although it does make sense, you know, Daddy's Home is opening, you know, shortly. So uh, not a bad thing for him to show up. I don't think we haven't seen him since the 40th anniversary episode. And before that, probably Paul Rudd, uh, when he did a Anchorman cameo with the cast of Anchorman in the monologue of mm-hmm. season 39. So uh, it's been a, a long time since we've seen uh, Mr. Farrell in uh, SNL proper. OK, so here he is back as George W. Bush, who... 
ironically, like uh, he was only Bush for like uh, the election and basically like what, one year or a year and a half of the Bush tenure as president. And then Bush went on to have like, uh, you know, six, six and a half years of other people doing Bush. But here he is. He's back to do Bush. And I thought it was an interesting spot to do George W. Bush. But I actually really liked uh, all the jokes here. Yeah, I mean, the writing I thought was really sharp. A couple of things I noted down that just really made me laugh. Uh, And, you know, not taking away from anyone in the current cast, because doing this show is so hard. And, you know, you see people like Kate McKinnon doing a great job. And Jay Farrell does a really solid Obama. But this is a star. I mean, this is just it's like, oh, that's right. This is why Will Farrell went on to become a major movie star. I mean, he's effortless at taking sometimes mediocre jokes and making them good. And then sometimes taking very good jokes and making them hilarious. And you never see him sweat. You never see him trying. He commands, even in the silence, his character and his actual performance as an actor, as a comedic actor, it just holds the room, even in silence. Him simply laughing at a picture of Donald Trump was so funny I don't know how many people are playing at that level right now that they can get a big laugh based just on laughing at a photo. I thought this was really good. Yeah, he was great. What were some of your favorite jokes from Will Ferrell? I loved when he was talking about how Ben Carson is some kind of brain surgeon. He says, trust me, running the country is not brain surgery. I thought that was very funny. Um, I thought... uh, I the way he talked about Jeb Bush, I thought I loved when he said it's a pretty good plot twist that I turned out to be the smart one. Yeah, that really. Made love. And I thought a really a, a, an oddly insightful uh, joke when they were talking about uh, Ted Cruz and, and Rubio, when he said something, he said, uh, unless your name is Chief uh, Running Bear or Chief Two Rivers, we're all anchor babies. I thought that was a, a very sort of cutting, uh, a cutting take on things. So a lot of interesting jokes in there. Yeah, the uh, Jeb exclamation point joke was particularly strong also towards the yes. end uh, with yeah. uh, broccoli broccoli <laughs> <laughs> just because you say yes. it with an exclamation point yeah. doesn't yeah. make it any more exciting so all the way around uh, I really thought this was uh, a home run best cold open of the season or you want to give it to some of the uh, debate stuff with uh, Larry David yeah I ooh, that's hard I, I mean the first debate with Larry David was really great this was really good um, one nitpicky thing I will say before uh, I lose my mind is uh, I was surprised the live from New York from Saturday night was very measured. It was not classic Will Ferrell losing it, going crazy. So I was a little surprised momentum wise uh, that he didn't sort of deliver it. And so, but I would say at this moment in time, if I'm placing myself at 1134 PM, I am loving Will Ferrell and oh, that would change. Oh, did that change uh, later on? You want to talk about it now? Yeah, I, I can't contain myself that we should wait, uh, you know, any longer. OK, last week we talked about Mike Myers, who blew off showing up for the good nights the last time, learning his lesson and staying for the good nights. And I said last episode, any the cardinal rule of cameos is do what you have to do. But unless you are running for president of the United States, if you are going to show up to do a cameo, you must be on stage for the good nights. If you can't do that, don't come. And I said, this applies 100 fold to an alumni like Mike Myers. And lo and behold, in this episode, Mr. Too Good for 1158 a.m. on a Saturday night, Mr. Will Ferrell does not show up for the good nights. Mm. No go, no show. I hope 
that he was either delivering a baby in the hallway or administering CPR to Lorne Michaels under the bleachers or something of that ilk. I could not believe that he did not show up. And that stunned me. I thought that was a very telling sign about Mr. Farrell and what's going on. And uh, uh, I, I, I absolve myself of this. It was What did it tell you? It told me that he was there. It was more important for him to do this to promote his movie than to come home and see family that I, you know, either he left the building before the the rest of the show, which means he didn't stay the extra 83 minutes to support the show that made him the star Mm -hmm. or he was there and he chose not to walk out on stage, which I I can't even fathom. So I have to imagine that he simply left. So uh, I just, just really, really poor or sport. I, really bad news. This was like coming to the Tackenberg house for dinner and leaving before dessert. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. This it was it was I was personally insulted on behalf of the SNL cast. It was really yeah. What if he had a plane to catch? What if he had to get back uh, like I'm sure he probably lives in LA. What if he was going to get it right on a plane? Where, where do you got to be? Where do you got to be? It's already 11:35 p.m. It's not like I mean if he had shown up if this was actually a taped piece from the dress rehearsal, then I would understand. But then tape the good nights or something. I, it just, it just, it absolutely. Wow, that's a lot of yeah. hoops to jump through. Well, then don't do it. Then don't do it. You know what? I loved it. I thought it was a hilarious piece. But again, you don't need to be here. If you're not going to, if you're not going to play ball, I mean, Saturday, the reason Saturday Night Live is always better to us than a classic tape recorded sketch show is that it's live in New York. It's a family, it's a 40 year history. And if you can't show up for the end, don't be here. We, we don't need it. Yeah. I'd just like to know in the chat and then also in the, in the comments now is Rich, are you alone in feeling this way? It doesn't really irk me that much in terms of that. Uh, but I'm wondering how many people, if the average uh, people who listen to this podcast, who are probably all big SNL fans, if they listen to this podcast, how much does this stuff bother them? That's a good question. I see Ike has already said it left a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we haven't talked about Daryl Hammond in the announcing really at all uh, this season. Have you noticed any uh, improvement in Daryl Hammond's announcing uh, in uh, season 41? No, it's the same. It, it's I mean, it's it, I could complain about it every week, but it's just the new normal at this point. It is what it is. It's not it's certainly not going to change anytime soon. So uh, I think they're just trying to and I do think was, you know, it's been this way for so long. It almost seems like it's gotten better. The truth is we're just getting used to it. So at a certain point, we won't even remember complaining about it because we won't remember the Don Pardo era. And that's a shame, but it is what it is. Yeah, it hasn't bugged me so much uh, this season, but maybe we're just getting used to it. Okay, we're just getting used. All right. So then uh, let's talk about Chris Hemsworth and his monologue. Of course, uh, it was only last season that he last hosted the show. Uh, Here he is back again to host uh, for the second time. And uh, we have a monologue where we're going backstage. I feel like we haven't done too much of this uh, so far this season of the old uh, lap around 8H. Yeah, we haven't seen this format in a bit, which I definitely sort of, uh, you know, uh, appreciate. Um, I I think it adds a nice energy. Obviously, there's a lot of coordination that goes on to this. Um, uh, Again, I'm going to say I didn't love this. Um, I love the idea of it, uh, but unfortunately, we just sort of repeated the same joke over and over again. Uh, so uh, while there were things that absolutely made me giggle, 
um, overall, it it, uh, it sort of wore out its welcome very, very quick. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of similar to the monologue he did last time. And correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that the monologue was that he had like a bunch of brothers last time. And then Keenan yes. was like the other Hemsworth uh, yes. that came out. So this was sort of like he treats everybody like they're one of his brothers uh, this time around and sort of like, you know, knocking people's papers over and, uh, you know, punching people and stuff like that. So it, it had its moments. Yeah, I will say um, I did. I mean, uh, you know, the I think we all forget how good the crew of SNL is to pull this off. I mean, there wasn't a missed cut. There wasn't a missed. I mean, that that's one guy on a camera shooting the whole time, uh, which I thought was beautiful. And I was about to call out. And of course, Mark in the chat room beats me to it. I love the touches that in the deep background, we get two dancing girls. We get a Lincoln. And in the dressing room, we get a guy holding a llama. That is an SNL that goes back to, I think, the original cast of in the 70s, that whenever you're backstage, you always see the ridiculous, you know, uh, uh, people back there. So uh, so a couple of funny things there. Um, I will also say and again, I know I'm getting a little rampy on this episode, so forgive me. I'll be great next week. I promise Um, I'm getting very tired of the um, uh, here's the, you know, character one does this character one does this character two does this character three character four but you wouldn't do that to leslie jones because leslie jones ain't putting up with that while her performance in it was her pitch perfect i saw that coming from under the bleachers back around to the bank of phones and, and you know to that dressing room we so get it that i was just like oh that was a it's just it's it's becoming a trope on SNL that you can pull that with anyone in the cast, but you can't pull it with Leslie Jones. If you don't mix that, I would rather see would have rather seen him do that to Leslie Jones and then have that conversation with Kyle Mooney or, you know, someone else and, and sort of play it on its ear. So that that sort of wore me out a little bit. How much do you think it costs to rent the llama? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that when I was rewatching. I'm like, they uh, it, it can't be cheap and it can't be easy. And by the way, that's a very small studio. It's not like they have a reserved animal pen 24 seven in case animals drop up. But, right. You got to take the uh, take it on the elevator. Yeah, there's 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 animal housing there. So they really are not kidding around with like, oh, no, no, no. If we're going backstage. Call the llama guy, put line yeah. item in the budget, one extra llama. We're going from zero to one. Yeah, they must have a pretty good llama guy at this point. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the moment where we had the button with uh, with Colin Jost and he slaps the papers? And then as the twist that we don't see coming, Michael Che comes out, slams the papers and says, see out there, nerd as sort of our button to the to the monologue. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I like that they're trying to do something with those two characters and sort of like have there be some sort of a rivalry between them. So while I didn't think it was hilarious, I sort of like that they're trying something with them. Because I, I would say I really liked that they're trying something. Uh, again, I don't know that this relationship is working for them. Um, but, uh, but that said, uh, I liked that at least it was a surprise. It was something different and there was some energy between the two of them. Okay. So we'll talk about update, uh, in just a little bit. So, okay. Then coming out of the monologue, we had, uh, for the second week in a row, another star Wars sketch. I wonder if, uh, we will complete the trilogy next week with more star Wars stuff since it's the opening weekend of star Wars, uh, next weekend. And Tina Fey is a big, uh, star Wars, uh, fan. 
which has been well documented as well. So we'll see what comes up next week. But we had the Star Wars action figure commercial. I thought this was very cute, Rich. Yeah, I thought this was very cute. I don't know that there were all that many laugh out loud, hilarious moments, but I really thought that was funny. I, I, I thought it was fun. I thought what I liked is that as Bobby, uh, Bobby more than anyone, but Bobby and Taryn and uh, and Kyle Mooney, they did not overplay the adult nerd to the point of uh, it just becoming parody and becoming annoying. I thought they did a great job of, of sort of towing the line of sort of appropriate nerdness, which made it uh, fun. Just them screaming or just look at it. It just really <laughs> made it yeah. or keep it in the box. It's just really well done. But the perfect moment in this sketch was the point where the kid asked asked Taryn kill him does your wife like Star Wars too and then yeah. uh, just the like the reaction and then going to like the dramatic Star Wars yeah, music yeah. I thought that was really you know I thought the rest of it was cute and then that was like the the real like uh, you know punch in the face moment I loved it well, I, my favorite moment was the complete silence as Bobby puts the Darth Vader in the case closes the case and then awesome i thought that was really funny so this was this was really fun i saw on twitter they talked about at the end when uh, the other adults run in in addition to the cast it was some longtime snl uh, uh crew members uh that got to jump in which i thought was really fun okay all right so uh good work on the star wars action figures okay then we end up with the on the record uh greta van Susteren, uh uh, piece where she's talking to other Republican candidates from the field and trying to get them to take a stand on what Donald Trump said recently about not wanting Muslims to come into the country anymore and uh, really sort of like calling out a, a bit of uh, hypocrisy of people like uh, sort of like the competitors of Donald Trump wanting to call out Donald Trump but not at the risk of offending his supporters. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I liked this. I didn't love it. it. You know, it was interesting that I was very upset. I was very confused at the beginning when we have Taron Killam playing Ted Cruz, when I thought Bobby Moynihan had done such a fun Ted Cruz in a couple of uh, sketches earlier this season. We, of course, realized the reason that they switched the characters is because we're going to have the Governor Chris Christie show up in the same sketch. So Bobby can't do both. Um, I thought the Ted Cruz bit was very cute uh, at first. And it probably went on a little bit too long. Uh, and then the Chris Christie thing makes me laugh. I thought that was, uh, you know, really good, very good energy by Bobby, um, especially when the point when he's talking about that, you know, of course, they have to let in Muslims. They should build the bridge between America and the Muslims and then just slow the traffic. I just that all of that I thought was really funny. Yeah, that, that was, was a really great funny. joke. It really it's because yeah. it started off. You didn't see it all coming from, uh, you know, uh, down on Broadway. And then uh, once it took that turn, uh, it was really like, a, you know, a wall of laughter on that. Uh, this is a question from uh, Alex Wilpon, who's uh, watching live. She wants to know, do you think that there was an issue with the amount of material they prepared for last night's episode? Uh, Antonio Mazzaro pointed out on Twitter that it felt like on the record was supposed to be a cold open. Plus, they reran the Aaron's List sketch later on in the night. Rich, do you think there was anything going on there with that this was going to be yeah. the cold open and then the Will Ferrell thing ended up uh, bumping this to later on in the show? But it doesn't understand why they rerun a pre-tape piece. If anything, they would have more content than they ultimately wanted. Yeah, my assumption is that, uh, so two things. I, this was a great call out. I thought uh, AC Mazar definitely hit the nail on the head. My assumption is that 
there was talk of Will Ferrell coming on to do something, uh, and it was he probably with a busy schedule promoting probably could not commit to late enough that they couldn't risk if Will Ferrell can't make it and has to push to next week or has to cancel that they have no cold open. So I agree. I think this was written as the cold open knowing if we do get Will, if he does book, we can just bump this later in the show, but it absolutely had the feel of a cold open to it. Now probably will as the quality of the writing was too good. They didn't rush that together, but I bet that sort of will sort of committed on maybe Thursday afternoon. And this as the cold open sketch was good enough that they decided to move it in the lineup and keep it. Um, the fact that we, we had time to fill later, we can talk about as we get there. It's something clearly uh, sort of went askew, which sometimes happens, um, which it, but it might not be that they had uh, too little material. They might've had too much material. Um, it, well, I'll just say it now. Sometimes I think what happens in SNL is not that they sometimes things go faster and they run out. It could have been that the last sketch that, the sketch that they prepared was too long. The 1155 sketch would have been too long. Things had run too long and there was no way to cut it down in enough time to go live. So instead, they have to run something pre-taped that was shorter to fill the now shorter window that they have. That's actually my guess that what, what happened at the end of the show. And by the way, it, similar to SNL last night, I could have said that in one third the time and had time for another sketch. <laughs> or another question. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, the anything else from uh, Greta Van Susteren? Uh, I would also just quickly say that I did think that uh, I like that Jay Farrow's Ben Carson is getting sillier and sillier. Yeah. I think with anybody, but especially with Jay Farrow, who is so technical and excellent at impressions, Often what he needs is to be sillier and less accurate. And I love that he's taking this sillier and sillier. And I think it's definitely working and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I have really enjoyed it. I feel like that's been one of the pleasant surprises down the stretch these last couple of weeks of the Jay Farrow, Ben Carson. Done a very, a very yes. good job there. Yes, yes. Okay, so then uh, moving out of that, this is what, another sketch uh, that I feel like, again, we're, I feel like so far, boom, 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 boom. So far, a uh, really strong show. Uh, this is called uh, Time to Bleed. And uh, a little bit of a short film of Chris Hemsworth is a cop. And he is sort of having a uh, a little bit of a uh, romance with uh, Sashir. And everything is going good. He gets shot and uh, we keep going back to that. He keeps like uh, looking, opening his shirt and we see the bullet wound. And uh, I thought this was pretty funny. It goes on probably a bit too long, but I felt like this was a funny gag. Yeah, I, I would say you probably liked it more than me. I did like it. And again, now I'm getting nitpicky. I thought uh, I like I thought this is what you want to do with someone like Chris Hemsworth. He fit into this very well. Um, it being pre-taped, you know, the fact that he's a novice with the cue cards didn't affect the timing as much. Uh, and I liked that as the premise of he's such a tough cop. He doesn't have time to go to the hospital. They just played it more and more extreme to the point where he's doing the paperwork and he's getting blood all over the paperwork. Um, I wish that they had more time to edit this because I think that it, you said it went on too long. And here's what I would say. Uh, it didn't go on too long. It was too fat. If they had tightened up and it would have been a hundred 
you know, uh, 15 frame cuts and just tightened it up because the building was so good. And even in the hospital, when it turns out that he's he's shown up to get plastic surgery, uh, everything about that, I thought was very funny. So uh, I so I thought it was good. Um, uh, uh, but I just wish and this is nobody's fault. The, the turnaround on this is insane. This was probably shot. Thursday at midnight, Friday at midnight, who knows? Uh, you know, so it's crazy. But this, if, if they ever, if they could have, I wish I wish for the repeats, they could go back and take a good 50 seconds out of this and tightening, and it would have been hilarious. But overall, great premise, really good execution, and, uh, and I thought it was solid. Okay. Let's take a question from Chris Berger. Was this a good neighbor short film? Uh, I don't think so. Rich, do you have any sense of that? You know, it's funny. This is one of the very few times I did. I was so rushed tonight. I did. I I only watched the good nights twice, believe it or not. So I did not get to see who directed this. Uh, so I don't know. I am going to guess not only because uh, uh, that neither Beck nor Kyle was dramatically featured in it. So generally their pieces, uh, they're they're always a lead. Uh, and if one of them had if they had written it, uh, I it probably there probably would have been a male buddy instead of Shashir in the piece. So probably not, but I don't know. Okay. Then here's where I felt like this was the uh the first chink in the armor, I feel like, of the night. Uh the return of brother to brother, Rich. Uh you know, if we look back at the last time Chris hosted last year and you said, take a guess what was so good that it had to be done a second time. Um, I would not have guessed the sketch. Uh, very surprising. I, I actually, uh, in looking this up now, he did the sketch with the, uh, the chicken was the captain of the spaceship, right? Yes. That was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that. I'm surprised they didn't bring that back. Instead, they end up bringing back the brother to brother Disney channel parody. Yeah. I was very surprised about that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know why we needed to see this a second time. Yeah. The Taron Killen, the Taron Killen body shaming sketch yes i mean we they decided to bring back all the laugh from the first time um you know we decided to do the one note joke uh, one more time with the same note uh once again a lot of filler to get there a lot of setup again Karen's very funny. He delivers 100% on, on delivering this. Uh, the body shaming is some very funny jokes. Uh, I like that last year, I think it was, there was a lot of like the size of his penis jokes where this was just about his body in general. Um, but yes, I, I, I thought this was sort of a miss for me. Had I not seen uh, the last time, Chris, if I had never seen SNL before and this was the first time I was seeing this sketch, I probably would have thought it was solid. It went on a little too long. But having already seen this sketch, we're just it, it, it was it was barely even Mad Libs. Uh, so I, I don't know if I enjoyed it that much. Yeah. OK, well, let's hope uh, we can skip brother to brother. Uh, if Chris Hemsworth uh, comes back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're I, good. I think we're, I think yeah. we're good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then this was another sketch that uh, I thought was a little wonky. The Deborah's Time piano sing along. What did you think of Deborah's Time sing along? Um, well, I had two thoughts on this. The first is I hated it. And the second is I loved it. Wait, hold uh, on a second. Yeah, this was a weird one. This was such a dumb premise and such a weird uh, over Christmas carols. The hosts are going to break into a song from a Broadway show that none of us have heard it before. It's just like on paper. It was just a boy, truly a boy. But then the performance of it, 
I thought I kind of loved it. I kind of liked I Cecily Strong delivered so strong in this. Uh, Chris Hemsworth held his own. Uh, I thought the you know the other four were pretty funny in it. So there, the actual performance of it definitely made me laugh at times. Uh, even though it kind of was a terrible sketch, uh, there were a lot of pieces in here that were very funny, and it did feel like a great bad uh, Sondheim musical uh, that sort of just played as as ridiculous. To me, I felt like this was uh, very much almost the same idea as the Woody Harrelson Apples Apple song, where it's like there's two people yes. or somebody with a somebody with a guitar, and they have a song, and only they know it, and everybody else is just like, "What?" I mean, at the end of the Apple sketch, it turned out that everybody actually did know it, uh, but here, you know, that they, they never uh, actually admit to knowing the song at the end, but. It's, oh, you know, no, they do in this one. Oh, they, do. They, they go, they go, oh, that's right. From the yeah, Smuckers yeah, commercial. Yeah, 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 they all do the same. Yeah, no, yeah. it's exactly the same. It's 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 the same. It, instead of a campfire, it's the fire at a Christmas party. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. OK, so um, let's go ahead and uh, jump into talking about the music from last night's show. Now, uh, James Keast uh, can't be with us today that uh, he is he is on assignment, but he called in and left us a message about what was going on with Chance the Rapper. So let me play you what James had to say, and then we'll come back and uh, touch on James's thoughts from last night. Thanks, guys. Sorry, I'm not able to make it to the live podcast this week. Chicago artist Chance the Rapper brought the fun to Saturday Night Live this week. In fact, he's the first unsigned artist to ever appear on the show. He's entirely independent and has no label behind him. He celebrated that fact by debuting his new song, Somewhere in Paradise, as the first song on the show tonight. It was kind of a self-actualization anthem for Chance. It seemed to be all about him and his accomplishments in his hometown of Chicago. And uh, R&B singer Jeremiah joins him at the end before he uh, broke out some pretty fancy dance moves. I thought it was terrific. I really liked the uh, arrangement with the horns and the choir. Uh, I liked that he certainly seemed to be conducting the band. He was really engaged musically and, and really on top of it. And I just thought it was a super fun kind of celebration of, of Chance as an artist. He took us to, the, to church for the second song, Sunday Candy, uh, that's actually from a side project that he released this year called Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment, and it's a tribute to his grandmother. And uh, I thought it was really beautiful and touching. I liked all the uh, the gospel touches, and also uh, just listening to some of the details in the lyrics. Uh, his grandmother seems like she's seems pretty interesting. Seems like an interesting lady. I thought it was kind of a touching and funny performance, and I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, he's a really he's an unusual guy as an artist, and a little bit less serious than, say, a D'Angelo or a Kendrick Lamar that we've had on the show before. And uh, I think he probably won over a ton of new fans this week. Because, uh, and I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it as well. I'm also not available next week, but uh, I think you guys can do the heavy lifting on Bruce Springsteen. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, James. And uh, yeah, some some Sunday candy uh, for us here from James Keast, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, if you follow James on Twitter, he's at exclaim editor. And uh, again, uh, thanks. Uh, Rich, you feel like you've got a handle on Bruce Springsteen next week? I think we can cover it. I yeah. think. Uh, and we got Mark here to cover me. So uh, I think we're in good shape. Yeah. OK. All right. So I actually do like uh, Chance the Rapper that it's actually um a little bit uh, disappointing for me because uh, 
when I was getting into uh, the rap game earlier in my career, uh, I was Community Chess the rapper. <laughs> that was my name, and so I had to uh, to walk that back. But uh, good job for being uh, un- unsigned and on SNL for Chance the Rapper. Okay, so then uh, let's go ahead and talk about weekend update. Rich, I thought this was an interesting weekend update uh, last night. Yeah, I did too. And unfortunately, as it for time, I, I don't have a lot of specific jokes to quote. I would say I am so happy to say that I thought that the chemistry between them during the Donald Trump chunk was very good. And it it wasn't about them versus each other and the characters they play. It was just two comedians doing jokes where the Che had the right tone jokes for Jay. Jost had the right tone jokes for Jost. They were uh, they were they were sort of stacked very well so that the sort of back and forth worked very well. A lot of funny within them. And I thought that the the net sort of sum total of that chunk was very funny and uh, some really fun points that they made Some very funny points. And overall, that piece really worked for me. Yeah, Michael Che, I thought that he seemed like he was maybe the most like uh, in touch tone with what he should be more so than any other point uh, in his year and a half of hosting weekend update. And it was weird because you don't typically see that on SNL either. But uh, he really seemed to, uh, you know, bring it talking about Donald Trump. Like SNL is usually more cutesy funny than like really like damning funny. And uh, I thought Michael Shea, I was very surprised that he went there, especially considering Donald Trump only hosted the show like three weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a month ago, he was the host of the show and they're really coming after him hard. Um, And I, I did. And I thought it was also very insightful that generally the idea of going basically not that this guy is really racist and really out of touch but that he's just pandering and saying what he needs to say to get the votes. Uh, I thought it was an interesting sort of way that they approached it. I thought it was really good. Uh, really nice stuff. I mean, Michael Shea said, I have looked into this man's eyes. He has no soul. It's just dollar mm-hmm. signs swimming in cologne. <laughs> that was a great line. It was a great, a great line. I just was very surprised to see them. Like, I, I mean, I feel like the show with very few exceptions, like somebody who has like recently been on the show or hosted or been the musical guest. Like, I feel like the show does not like come out and trash them that quickly. Yeah, it's very rare. I would say going back to probably Lana Del Rey doing the musical guest. And then the next week they were they were bashing on her. Uh, Very rare that they do that. So uh, this was surprising. And I do think that they really are pushing the sort of Chinese wall between the talent department and the editorial department, especially with the weekend update, which is a separate team from the, you know, sketch portion, uh, you know, of the writing staff. So very interesting. Can I float something past you, which is kind of a harebrained idea, but I wanted to get your take on it. Bring it up. I want to, I want to make a, I want to make a trade between comedy shows. Okay. Okay. I want to send Michael Shea to the daily show. And have him be the host of The Daily Show and send Trevor Noah to Weekend Update. Oh, I would take that trade in a minute. And I think that that's win-win. I think that, you know, Michael Che, it would be so much better if the tone of the show could be him hosting The Daily Show. 
and nothing else. And it became the Michael Tate tone. And I think Trevor and Noah would fit so well with Colin Jost and the sensibility of SNL. It's, I, I think that's a great idea. I love it. Yeah, because uh, I had read an article about uh, comparing Trevor Noah with John Stewart, and they said that, you know, John Stewart, it seemed like, you know, he was funny, but it also, it's, it, on some level, he was angry, and Trevor Noah doesn't seem to have that. But Michael Shea does seem to have that. Uh, and yes. I think that that would be, uh, I like, feel like that would be a really good fit for The Daily Show. And then I think that Trevor Noah, you know, he's a happy, smiley guy. I think he'd be good with Colin. I think that they would probably have better chemistry. Yes. I think that their energies would also sort of work better together so i think that's a great idea i think that'd be very funny okay i'll call lauren michaels see what they can do all right so then let's get into some of the visitors to weekend update uh this week it happened uh during the week where angela merkel was named the time magazine woman of the year um no surprise here to see her return to weekend update yeah you called it on twitter and absolutely right no surprise here and a great return of angela merkel we haven't seen her in a bit a great excuse to have her here uh and and i also thought that format wise we broke up i I think the angela merkel character is one of leslie uh, uh, one of uh kate mckinnon's least sort of mad libsy returning characters but even with that i thought this was even better because we had something so specific to talk about we had a lot of fun with this uh but certainly the, the the opening joke about Donald Trump uh, sort of bashing on her, uh, what she's doing to Germany. And she said, oh, yeah, I guess he preferred our earlier stuff. I thought it was a really rough joke, but also well, well done. Uh, as always, McKinnon's performance, her trying to uh, celebrate as Angela Merkel was just bizarre and funny. I thought she did a great job with that and great back and forth. A lot of that funny was really, really, really good. I liked when she's holding the magazine. She said, uh, but look at me. I look like uh, my face is like a bowl of oatmeal with like the two eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those are very, very funny. Yeah. Were you surprised they didn't have her second? Were you surprised they ended up having her first, considering uh, what they did have second was just Leslie Jones? Well, I think that Leslie Jones's energy, they oh, I think they usually close with Leslie Jones. Not always, but they usually do. I think it's hard to follow Leslie's energy, even if the other thing is, is funnier. Uh, it's hard to sort of like, because she sort of plays it out in eleven. Uh, and I will say we talked last week and we talked on Twitter how I really thought we would see Jebediah Atkinson in this episode. And when Colin Joe said the, uh, the Golden Globe nominations were announced and mm-hmm. here to talk about it, I was like, ah, here we have Jebediah. And instead we got a Leslie Jones. Um, and I think this was a repeat from uh, I, I think this was a repeat from uh, about six years ago that they uh, they re-edited with some new material from Colin Joe to save it. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, I think Leslie's always funny. The material here was funny, but it just felt so dated to me that I felt like this is a chunk from your from your act from six years ago that you brushed off. We found an excuse to use. It didn't feel topical to me. Uh, and again, and we're mad libbing the relationship with Colin Jost. It's, you know, you, eggnog, so even though I thought this was not unfunny, uh, for me, this was a miss. I, I would I really think there should have been a Jebediah Atkinson here uh, to sort of to lift up the, the show. So um, uh, for me, this was a pass. I agree. I think this is one of the uh, worst Leslie Jones outings. And Leslie Jones always brings the energy, but 
the material was so dated. And at some point, like, uh, you know, when Colin says like, oh, this is, uh, you know, is it on AMC? She's like, what? Like, I thought they were going to say like that, you know, she just discovered it on Netflix and she thinks it's a new show. But there was no real right. mention of the fact that Breaking Bad has been over for, you know, uh, some quite. I think that uh, that Colin did mention that, you know, it premiered like eight years ago or whatever. But yeah, it just seemed like it was so shoehorned in there to talk yeah. about the Golden Globes. And then we're going to bring her in just to talk about Breaking Bad randomly for no good reason. It, it, it was just uh, very odd. Yes. And I, and I liked that Mark in the chat room is quoting what uh, Bill Hader says that Lauren used to say to him around the Alan Alda impression or the Vincent Bryce impression, which is, but why now? And I, I think absolutely true. I, I think this sort of was a weird shoehorned piece. I wonder if something else at Weekend Update at the dress rehearsal tanked. And they said to Leslie, please, what do you have in the vault? What's in what the stand-up yeah. comedy library that we can put in here because we needed it? Okay. Well, I hope it was uh, like Willie or something like that uh, that they ended up cutting. Now, then <laughs> I would be be happy that's for sure yes <laughs> all right so coming out of weekend update this is where i think the the show really uh had some problems these uh last couple of sketches of the night uh why don't we start off with uh the basically like a uh, sex in the city type uh brunch or i don't know if they were eating or if it was like a, a night out but it was four women they're talking about like uh which actors are sort of hot guys and then we have Chris Hemsworth in drag, usually just reserved for athletes, Rich, but not anymore. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this sketch before. Not exactly this permutation, but we've certainly seen this sketch before. You're right. Generally, musicians or sports stars who are not strong actors tend to end up in drag. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was oh, I want to say, oh, boy, the only thing I will give it is I liked the writing around the very sort of silly concept specifically as performed by people like Cecily Strong and A.D. Bryant, mm -hmm. that they sort of, I think the writers knew what they were getting themselves into. They knew what this was and they sort of, sort of, they leaned into the, into the, the curve on this instead of trying to pull away from it and sort of were calling out uh, as they were going. So some interesting, funny stuff here, uh, but overall, uh, tough. Rich, I thought this was the best of the post-update sketches. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's why I said this was almost an oogly. This was, this, this, I, yeah. there was something to say that I liked about it. Yes. Yeah, I do think that you're right. That meta commentary about what was going on there. It wasn't like that they were just like, uh, sort of like, but you know, it's our, this is our friend Claire that we've known for so, for so long or met today yeah or have we or did yeah. we just meet her yeah. I, I like that they leaned into that i thought that was really good so yeah uh, but and again uh this sketch 40 percent shorter could with the same punch uh could have been really good um eh, comedy's hard what yeah. can i say uh mark in the chat is calling out uh, i love the 80s last line uh which was everybody is like he's like can you forgive me and uh she says uh no you're weird now yeah, no, this was bad. You're weird. Yeah, you're weird now. Yeah, this is very good. Okay, Rich. Let's talk about uh, the pirate ship sketch uh, featuring uh, everybody's favorite pirate, Mark. <sighs> 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 
you know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are hosting next week. That's exciting. <laughs> Isn't that, that's going to be good. I don't even uh, understand what this was supposed to be. Ooh, this was, uh, do you think the cue cards just said, not, it was just a blank cue card and it just said, oh boy. <laughs> and they just improvised from there. Um, uh, oh yeah <laughs> this was this was uh and and this is tough because new guy obviously wrote the sketch john rosinski you don't get this kind of uh, uh screen time if you didn't write it and i feel bad comedy is hard i can see on paper but don't you think that during the dress rehearsal the guys who built the pirate ship were like did I bust my ass for this? Mm-hmm. Really? I built a freaking mast and this is the sketch we're doing. It was, it was rough. It was rough seas on the pirate ship. To me, I felt like it took a weird turn where it was like the pirates were talking about how great, uh, how great Mark was. And then Cecily was like the prisoner and I thought the sketch was going to be that they were talking about how great he was. And she was going to be like, what are you talking about? He's not great. He sucks. And I yeah. thought that she was going to be sort of like the dissenting opinion. But after like the second time he did something, she kind of turned around and said, no, you know, you guys are right. He's a, he's awesome. But the stuff that he was doing was not actually awesome. So I don't really understand what, where the comedy was coming from. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I hate to say it, but this sketch made me mourn uh, Miss Tonkerbell. So uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was a little all over the place. I think John Radzinski did a nice job. I felt like, as Regis was saying in the, in the chat room, you could definitely see everybody trying to help the kid out, trying to sell this. Maybe it was such a silly sketch that in the dress rehearsal, the audience just bought into it as silly and just ran with it. Um, So uh, and then it just the audience, myself included, did not buy in. Uh, Hard to say, but this this was tough. Now, Rich, like when you bring up the set and like this big pirate ship that they have to make, does that factor into whether they run it or not? Like if it's in, in dress rehearsal and it gets probably a very tepid reaction, do they say, well, we built the pirate ship, so it's airing. It's a good question. I mean, we saw that the cut for time sketch on the Donald Trump episode was by far the biggest production value of the night, and it tanked in the dress. I mean, there was nary a laugh in the audience. So they walked away from thousands upon thousands of dollars of production value for a sketch that didn't work. You know, they usually say bigger, more complicated sketches, especially longer sketches, Seem like it, uh, you know, it, it goes away. I do think I made the joke about Tonker Bell. I do think that this pirate sketch actually, uh, the, the set is sort of now the stock. Uh, I think we've seen this a number of times. Uh, you know, we, we've seen musicals, uh, you know, musical pirates with mm-hmm. Christopher Walken uh, or some of those. Christop- someone did Christopher Walken. I can't remember who. Uh, I think he hosts. was in the uh, NBC musical they did of Peter Pan. Yeah, the one of the one of the guest hosts did Christopher Walken. I can't remember who in the Peter Pan piece. You're right. And then we've seen Tonker Bell on this, so we've seen this set before. So I don't think it was as big a deal. Um, I I mean, but given the sketch before and the sketch after, I think this is the best that they had. Yeah. Uh, James Franco. Thank you, yeah. James Franco. Okay, Chris Episode. Berger wants to know, did John Radnitsky become a TV star last night? I mean, I will say it was, I don't think this sketch didn't work for me because of his performance. I thought that he absolutely showed up. He sold it. He went for it. Uh, so good for him. And I think, uh, you know, he's certainly, 
He's certainly bringing the funny, uh, you know, when he gets stage time. And it's hard to get stage time this early. So uh, so I certainly get it. Okay. And then the last live sketch is going to be Hunk Junction, uh, where we have the strip club where uh, it turns out that the actors don't actually strip. They're there to do some sort of like musical theater number. And uh, the women in the crowd are getting frustrated. <sighs> yeah. So this happened. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, oh boy, uh, this just went on. I mean, this was not an unfunny idea. Again, this was like, uh, it was just more confusing to me. I mean, I like Keenan's little rant at the top about the woman who brought the tandoori chicken, uh, and ate, and there's not no food in the strip club. Uh, and then I wasn't sure if we were making fun of gay men as strippers or if we were making fun of community theater actors as strippers, it was, it was I, I think it was more the latter. Yeah. I, I don't quite know what was going on here. Uh, and then uh, this didn't build or heighten. It just sort of laid there. I thought so. Yeah. I thought this was, this, this was a tough one. Yeah. Well, what'd you think of Keenan in this sketch? I thought this reminded me, I mean, this was a cross between Keenan as the band leader in 87 <laughs> sketches of the last two years and Keenan as the bartender in the it's late at night, last call. And, uh, and, uh, Cecily, Str- I'm sorry, uh, Kate, Tom, uh, Kate McKinnon is, uh, you know, drunk with, with, with the guest host character. So I, I thought he actually did a really good job of sort of just like, like what's going on here and him booking them. Uh, uh, so, you know, definitely good stuff. Yeah. You know, I haven't frequented many male strip clubs, but I do wonder if they sort of start the show off by asking uh, the women in the audience, if they're ready to see some peen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wonder that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, not, not good. Not good. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have the Aaron's list uh, sketch back. Was this anything different? Or this was the same exact Aaron's list. Yeah, this was the same. This was just the same thing rerun. As we said, uh, it is possible that they ran short and they didn't have something. I think more likely everything else ran too long. And the final sketch, whether pre-taped and the can't be cut down or live sketch was was way too long and it wasn't a matter of cutting 30 seconds out of it. So they had to bail on it and run something that was shorter, which is my guess. Um, doesn't happen very often, but certainly does happen. Yeah. Okay. So Rich, let's talk about the goodbyes. Yeah. I have to admit that I only got a chance to see the good goodbyes once. Uh, and the fact that Will Ferrell was not there I didn't see anything else. <laughs> Colin Jost could have had no pants on during the good nights. And I wouldn't have known there could have been like Jim Carrey could have been in the background saying good night with Jabba the Hutt. And I would not have noticed. <laughs> I was so distracted at the absence of Will Ferrell. I just I, I was like, oh, he's is he on the side? Am I missing him? I was, I, I, I mean, I was beyond insane uh, at this point and it's late and I'm tired. So I didn't get to see much. I, I think he called them Will Ferrell, which was an odd thing. He said a special thanks to Will Ferrell, which is very odd. The guy with the big hat. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that was a little bit odd. Is it possible Will Ferrell watched those last three sketches and then walked off? <laughs> and he was supposed to be in the 1255 sketch and they said, oh, go quick, just run a pre-tape. Exactly, exactly. At this point, we got to we got to fill. So what are you going to do? Like, so, what? This is not the show that I used to be on. I'm out of here. Yeah. So um, I love the, you know, I always love the way they decorate 
Studio 8H, you know, with a decorate home base base for Christmas. So it was good to see that again. I'm sure it, it was the good good nights. I unfortunately can't comment beyond that. Okay, so. I guess like, let's let's put a bow on Chris Hemsworth and then let's talk a little bit about what we could expect for uh, for next week. Any final thoughts for the Chris Hemsworth episode? I mean, you know, no. I mean, again, it was one of those I walked away from it feeling like, oh, my friends, you know, let me down this week in talking back through it. It's fun to realize there was a lot of funny, especially at the top half of the show. Uh, and, you know, and I think that's part of what I like to do here is that even in, in an episode that isn't necessarily one for the record books, we can at least celebrate what did work about it. And there was some good stuff. Does SNL need to stop making Chris Hemsworth try to happen? I would agree with that. I think I understand that he's probably a drawer, but uh, but I, I think we're good. I think we got it. OK. Okay, so Rich, let's look ahead to the uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler episode next week. Do you want to go out on a limb? You want to call any sketches that we're going to see? Huh? I think we could see Bronx Beat. I think with, that's a uh, safe Maya, bet. Maya Rudolph also coming back. I to believe host. she's in that sisters movie too, right? Uh, I don't know, but that, that could be. That could be. I'm sure we could find out quickly. The chat room probably knows. Um, so, uh, uh, so I would, I would like to see that, um, uh, sketch wise, I, uh, you know, I think that we will see the ladies at weekend update. I think that we will probably see Seth Meyers show up. I would think, um, I wouldn't mind seeing Jimmy show up again. I think that would be Jimmy Fallon. I think we, we could end up seeing popping by to say hello for a piece. You know, they don't, the, 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 you know, both Amy and obviously Tina as the, as weekend update, doesn't really have a lot of classic characters. Um, I would love to see Caitlin again, uh, you know, but I don't see them doing that. I don't see her and Horatio Sands uh, doing a, a Caitlin sketch uh, as much as I love that. Um, I hope that we do not see Amy Poehler on one leg doing uh, the uh, Bachelor reject, uh, Rock of Love reject girl whose name I can't remember. Uh, but uh, but I think uh, but I think we'll see a couple of cameos. I think we'll see that that'll be sort of the big push. Okay. Uh, do you think that we get anything with the Amy Poehler, Hillary Clinton? We have a dueling Hillary Clinton. That's a good question. The only way I would see that is if there was a surprise and the actual Hillary Clinton showed up, because then I could see having the two of them and Hillary. I think that would be a real viral moment that would get a lot of play. So uh, maybe I think it's a it's a good call. I'm not really sure. And as I did say uh, last week or maybe the week before, uh, now that we know Bruce Springsteen is hosting, I am super hoping that our show ends with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street brand uh, singing uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. OK, well, we'll see uh, if that's the case or not. Uh, do we get a Dakota Fanning talk show? Ooh, um, hmm, I guess maybe. <laughs> really? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Okay. Um, any other prediction you want to make for the show? Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, I'm, uh, trying to think of anything else that I'm looking at last time that she that uh, that they hosted uh, Tina Fey. Um, yeah, I don't see anything. The the porn star is probably not. Uh, yeah, so I don't think there's a lot of reoccurring stuff. Um, uh, anyone else? Oh, who else do we think we'll see? Anyone else show up for the monologue? Uh, I could see 
uh, I could see that's where I could see maybe some more ladies of SNL show up that would to, to sort of support them. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, do you need more people in the monologue? I kind of feel like they have this movie together that they probably want to yeah. uh, get out there. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to call out because in the chat room. Uh, I don't know uh, your real name. The bearded DJ just brought up a great point. Could we see Sarah Palin? Yes, that is a great point. Given the lunacy of the uh, of the Republican Party nomination, but didn't we right just now. do that with with George Bush? Of like, here's a random person from the history of the Republican Party talking about what's going on now. Yeah, but I think if you did it as part of a larger sketch, if you had if you had uh, you know Taron as Trump and uh, and Will uh, Sarah uh, Palin's going to give advice yeah, to Trump or something like that, you know, and you had Ben Carson. If there was something going on where you had a lot of them and he kind of wandered in i think that uh I, I think i could see that yeah okay uh should be a fun show next week really looking forward to that one that's yeah. a event tv next next saturday night and here's a question i'll throw out to the nerds if the women of snl came back and did their version of the classics song that used to be fallon Catan, uh, uh tracy morgan and i'm blanking on who the fourth person was horatio uh, would, sands right horatio sands would that be hilariously fun update or would that be sacrosanct and stepping on uh, on religious ground? I feel like those guys would be pissed. I, th- I think Fallon would love it. I think Fallon I think he well, it. he has other stuff to go to do. But I feel like the Horatio Sands of the world, and the Chris Catans of the world would be really annoying. Maybe, maybe. I don't see them coming back for this. And they did come back when Jimmy Fallon hosted uh, a few years ago for the Christmas special. I feel like that song is iconic to the era of Tina and Amy. Um, but I, I, it would be a, a fun piece to sort of see them update it. And if they do update it, I'm going to say it's because they listened to this podcast and took my idea. Uh, Let's go with that. What do you think they do for Weekend Update? We touched on this probably, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Jay and, and Joe just get bumped? Do you think that they do a couple of no, jokes? I think they should. I, and I don't mean that as a slight on Colin and, and Michael. If I were them, I would say you know what, guys, we're, we're going to go start drinking spiked eggnog now. You guys have it. I think we'll probably get uh, uh, a really with uh, with Tina and Amy and or an, a weekend update joke off, which is the other way to incorporate everybody into it. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll get one of those, too. OK, should be very fun uh, next Saturday. And we'll be back on uh, Sunday to talk about it all next week. Rich, anything else you want to uh, mention? No, good. Uh, just obviously, we're very excited. This It's our mid-season finale. I'm very excited for it. Okay. So next week, we'll be back to talk about the final SNL of 2015, if you can believe it. Make sure you subscribe to Post Show Recaps. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes, or for just the SNL podcast, go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Of course, you could follow Rich Tackenberg on Twitter. He's at Rich Tack. Uh, anything else going on, Rich? No, we're good. All right. Thanks so much to James Keyes to uh, drop his update on us. And then, of course, thanks to everybody who was watching us here live here on Blab. If you want to be here live for our show next Sunday, we record at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can go to postshowrecaps.com ahead of time to uh, leave us questions. And then until then, uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Very cool.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.